Night after night in cities across the country, black-garbed assailants clash with police in the streets, smash windows, and throw Molotov cocktails in an effort to destroy police stations, federal courthouses, and local businesses, all in the name of anti-fascism. Most Americans are now, sadly, all too aware of the movement known as Antifa. But where did they come from? What do they want? And how do we stop their campaign of violent mayhem? The Center for Security Policy Press is proud to present Unmasking Antifa, Five Perspectives on a Growing Threat. This new book looks at the history, ideology, organization, finances, and strategy of Antifa and provides an in-depth analysis for law enforcement officers, policymakers, and the general public. From street fighting tactics of the Black Bloc to fundraising by prominent left-wing foundations, Unmasking Antifa is the go-to guide to understand this elusive and dangerous threat. Get your copy of Unmasking Antifa, Five Perspectives on a Growing Threat at Amazon.com. back and i'm very pleased to say we are joined by one of our regulars his name is bill walton he's a former president and ceo of a major wall street investment house allied capital he is these days the host of a terrific television podcast called the bill walton show we're always delighted to have him with us bill welcome back it's good to have you with us hey frank i want to sort of pivot from what we've been talking about bill in terms of the sanctions that are now apparently in the offing for the aggression that Vladimir Putin and Russia have perpetrated against Ukraine to a potential target of further aggression, his partner, Xi Jinping and the Chinese Communist Party, as they seemingly are poised, and we'll be talking more about it momentarily with Colonel Grant Newsom, to engage in some of their own aggression. Talk a little bit about the condition of the Chinese economy at the moment and whether they may be more susceptible to such pressure with deterrent effect. Well, we've talked in the past, the Chinese economy is highly dependent on real estate, specifically residential real estate. It comprises 30% of their GDP and compare that to roughly 16 to 17% uh, here in the U.S., uh, and just in January, the 100 largest property developer, developers saw their sales uh, fall, I, I'd use the word plummet, 40%. And this is continuing a seven or eighth month decline in, in property sales in China. Um, it's a big deal. China has most of its investment savings in, in residential real estate. The home ownership level there is roughly 90%. And the small, we've seen the the uh, the big one, Evergrande, uh, suffer, but all the smaller developers are suffering more. Their stock prices are off 60, 70 percent, and their sales are down 70, 80 percent. And it seems to be in a free for all. Uh, the governments have stepped in and said, "Look, we'll help bail you out and finance more of your." your unsold properties, which which they hadn't been doing as much as aggressively in the past. But it's unclear that uh, they've got the financial uh, firewall to prevent this uh, this erosion. And it's 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 it, there's a great quote from one of the articles I took a look at. One of the an older woman said, 
you know, we depended on the, the Chinese Communist Party to preserve, preserve property values and create wealth for us. Now it's like living back in the old pre-communist China, and it's worse than ever. So this this has implications for the regime. That's really where I'm going with this, Bill, is um, to the extent that there are these dynamics at work in China and creating circumstances in which the the hold on power of Xi Jinping may be jeopardized. Do you anticipate that that is to all intents and purposes an inducement to him to engage in the kind of aggression, whether it's towards Taiwan or perhaps India, or maybe even both, uh, that he seems to be using as a kind of social engineering uh, at least in the abstract, if not in the very specific. Well, some people make the the optimistic point about the United States in the 21st century that demographically, we're like to see like to see our population growing and and growing younger because of immigration and and higher birth rates. China, meantime, is seeing a population implosion. It's already turned the curve and it's declining. And while it's declining, it's also growing older. And its economy is, I won't say flatline, but it's not growing at the roaring rates it was growing in the past. It's down four or five percent uh, recently. And with the with the property issues that I've just described, uh, it's it's fragile. And some people say that's good news. Well, I don't think it is good news because a weakened adversary is more likely to strike than someone who feels like they're operating from strength. And China's not made a lot of friends around its around its borders in the last 20 25 years with its uh with its aggressions not and also what it's done internally in terms of the Uyghurs and uh forced organ harm plants and this Olympics was hardly a uh, the PR triumph they hoped I think Xi's probably looking to disappear the people decided that the ski jump uh, ought to be located next to an abandoned steel mill that was that was quite a dystopian image, but I think all this increases the risk that they're going to do something about Taiwan. Now, I know our friend Gordon Chang thinks it'll be a few years off, and that may be true, but I think both Xi and Putin and anybody, any of the other bad actors are looking at Biden and the incredibly weak foreign policy team and, and national defense team that Biden has, and they're saying the time to act is now. I'm with you. We're going to explore this very pregnant question with uh, Colonel Grant Newsom in a moment. And uh, I think his, he's leaning towards it maybe being a little further off. Uh, we'll see. But in the meantime, uh, Bill, we certainly are watching um, partners uh, or at least colleagues of yours in the past um, riding to the rescue of the Chinese Communist Party to a degree that I, I continue to be just astounded by. Um, Charlie Munger, uh, a considerable friend of China, I think it's fair to say, uh, has taken to task one of the principal uh, you know, engines of that kind of bailout, uh, namely Larry Fink of BlackRock. Walk us through what's going on there and uh, whether it has any significant uh, insights for us as to where Wall Street is headed in this moment. Well, well, Larry Fink has read an, led an ascendancy of woke uh, uh, investors and, and CEOs in the last couple of years. And he's one of uh, several large money managers. He runs BlackRock, of course, but there's also Vanguard and State Street. And together, 
they control over 20% of all the market cap in the uh, New York Stock Exchange and the S&P 500. And they've used that clout, though, not to encourage companies to increase their returns. Instead, they're encouraging them to go up uh, along with the uh, ESG agenda, environmental social governance, which we've talked about extensively, uh, has very little to do with increasing shareholder returns. And and here you have Warren or we have Warren Buffett's longtime partner, Charlie Munger. Charlie's 98. Charlie, Charlie can call it as he sees it. And I think he was quoted recently saying, we have a whole bunch of new, new bunch of emperors, and they're the people who vote the shares in the index funds. And by that, he means uh, Vanguard, BlackRock, and State Street. And he says, I think the world of Larry Fink, and he does. Charlie's a f- very progressive uh, liberal, uh, but I'm not sure I want him to be my emperor. And so you get some hard-headed people like Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger, Munger, who are the best asset allocators on the planet, looking at what Larry Fink's doing and saying, look, guys, these are not you're not aiming my investment dollars at targets that are going to increase my returns. Instead, they're going to make you feel good and make you feel woke. Uh, but maybe you ought to get back to your business, which is increasing returns to your shareholders. It'll be interesting to see how this plays out. There are a lot of there are a lot of us that are that are calling out these money managers now, and I think we're beginning to have some effect. I hope so, Bill. Uh, it's uh, vital that these individual, you know, masters of but the universe. But but are, but, but uh, Frank, their their arrogant their arrogance is overweening. Larry Larry writes employees. Employees are increasingly looking to their employers as the most trusted, competent, and ethical source of information. Think about that. I mean, you're working in a Fortune 500 company, whatever, and you're looking at your employer as your most trusted source of information. I don't think so. Right. Well, you've been there, you know, and I think it's uh, I it, do know. It, it's vital that uh, they I would have, have I would have liked I would have liked more of that. <laughs> I, I like to think they're getting some of their information from programs like ours. Um, but Bill, let, let me ask you this: um, when you see this kind of uh, well perturbations in the force, maybe you might call it, uh, it, it's really important. And I, I know that we sort of revert to this most of the time we talk about this subject, but I don't think it can be said often enough. Whether it's Larry Fink or whether it's his counterparts at uh, Vanguard or State Street or anyplace else on the street, it's our money that they're doing this with, uh, investing in China, maybe even recklessly investing in China for sure. But at a minimum, it is helping enable the mortal enemy that we confront. And um, I, I'm with uh, Charlie Munger to this point. I, I certainly don't want Larry Fink imperially disposing of uh, of our resources, whether it's uh, you know taxpayer funds or whether it's uh, you know veterans or. Well, well this this relates this relates to this relates to our earlier topic, Frank. You know, I've told, I, I said China has a primitive capital market. Most of its savings dollars are tied up in residential real estate, which is in a precarious spot and, and, and bank accounts. And they've got no other way really to put their money to work. And China's enlisted Vanguard, Goldman Sachs, JP Morgan to come in and modernize its capital markets, in effect, helping bail out the Chinese Communist Party. Um, the number two guy, the chief operating officer at JP Morgan was interviewed recently, and, and they still see China as a growth market. 
and they're not paying attention to the sort of things that they ought to be paying attention to, which is America's security and 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 the uh, and the unfortunate uh, human rights violations that the Chinese Communist Party is guilty of. Those are things you'd like to think every American is focused on, and especially when it does come to your money being disposed of in ways that might be very harmful to our national security. But I think the other piece of it is that uh, even on the business side, Bill, what you're talking about doesn't seem to be making a lot of sense, um, given where they're putting that money and the likelihood that uh, the shareholders are going to benefit. We have to leave it at that, Bill. I'm afraid we're hard out of time, but I just want to say thank you, as always, for your insights into all of these matters and the extent to which you're bringing to bear a lot of um, hard-earned experience in the field, and it's really appreciated that you share it with our audience. Hope you come back to us again next week. Thank you for your time today. Next up, we'll speak with Colonel Grant Newsom right after this. Go to securefreedomradio.org today. It's your freedom. It's your country. Frank Gaffney's Secure Freedom Radio.